case is submitted. We'll hear argument next in number 89-1918, Robert L. McCormick versus the United States. Mr. DiTrapano, you may proceed. Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the Court, the essential issue on this appeal is under what circumstances and to what extent can a non-coercive solicitation of campaign contributions to, to defray an election expense be in violation of the color of official right provision of the Hobbs Act? And also, to what extent and under what circumstances would income declared, or the failure to declare a campaign contribution as income, violate the tax fraud statutes? The petitioner in this case was a legislator in the House of Delegates in West Virginia with a history of having sponsored and having worked very hard for a hospital in southern West Virginia that had to be staffed by foreign trained doctors, in this case Filipino doctors. For a period of years, the activities of this legislator was limited to extending a temporary license. Without that extension, without legislative enactment, this hospital would not be able to have operated, and those people in need of health care in that region of Appalachia would have had to travel some two and a half hours to Charleston. This was a very crucial need in that area, and this and the petitioner involved, was heavily involved uh, with that objective. Where, where, where exactly was this district? The district is, it's, it's, the, it's the Southern District of West Virginia. Logan County is the county Logan, that he was elected uh, from, Your Honor. A couple of days before the June 1 payment, the contribution was made, there was a phone call, and this is the only evidence, the only evidence that links the petitioner with the solicitation. A phone call made by the lobbyist where the conversation had to do with the campaign, the petitioner said, I have an expensive campaign. I haven't heard from the doctors. And what are you going to do about it? The lobbyist who made the phone call and the government's chief, Winston Vandegrift, goes to see the head of the, the uh, foreign trained doctors organization, a Dr. Manuel, and repeated the conversation and said, we ought to help uh, the petitioner in his campaign, Mr. McCormick and his campaign. The Dr. Manuel, they go to the bank, and although the petitioner did not ask for cash, and under West Virginia law, cash contributions over $50 is in violation of the law, punishable by three times the fine, but not an incarcerative offense. You go to the bank, write a check for $2,000. Part of it goes to, to the, uh, the lobbyist for expenses, and $900 in $100 bills is put in an envelope and delivered to the petitioner. Now, the court, rather the 
The United States Attorney's Office indicted, had Mr. McCormick indicted under color of official right. It is the, it is our thesis that color of official right, a plain reading, the plain meaning of color of official right is a pretended assertion of right. That the Congress in 1946 never contemplated that color of official right would be used to prosecute uh, election laws and enforce election laws of the state. Color of official right in the debate in Congress in 1943, the law was enacted in 1946, but Congressman Hobbs from Alabama, when questioned about color of official right and what it meant, the debate is very limited, and he said it means a pretense assertion of right. A public official who doesn't have the right, who is asserting the right, more rights than he does have in extracting money. Now, for 25 years, the Justice Department has never prosecuted for campaign violations until the 70s. That particular passage went unobserved and was not used as a vehicle to prosecute uh, defendants for violating uh, state election laws. In the government's brief, the, the government Excuse me, Mr. DiTrapano. As I understand it, the, the government's theory for not using it, however, is quite different from the one that you've said. Yes, Your Honor. The the, government their theory was that, was that there had to be some, uh, some uh, coercion or, or threat of, of force. That, that, that was what they thought, that, that it was not an independent clause, color of official right, that it just went with the other ones, right? No, Your Honor. The government's theory in the case... As I understand, is that they, they, they contended that this payment was not a political contribution at all. No, no, no. I'm not talking about this case. I'm talking about those years. In those years, yes. In which, uh, as you just described, the government never used uh, this never provision used. Right. Uh, uh, for uh, things of this sort, uh, political corruption. Uh, their their reason for not using it was not was not the legislative history that you just described. Their reason for not using it was was not, as I understand it. They thought you had, in order to come within it, you had to assert a, a right to it that you really didn't possess. That's, that, that appears to be the government's reasoning, but it's not, it's not justified by the, by the, uh, no, by the it, language of the, of the act. Well, I, by the, by my the understanding country. is that that was not the government's reason, that the government's reason for not using it was that they thought it was not an independent clause at all, but that that whole clause, or under color of official, of official right, was was attached to the other clauses, and you had to show the other ones in addition to that, wasn't it? That's correct. Okay. That was used that, that was for the first time in the 70s, used in the disjunctive in the Kenny case. That's correct, Your Honor. In any event, the the government chose to call this transaction um, a personal payoff. Now, the contribution was admittedly made in contravention to state law because the state law in West Virginia makes cash contributions in excess of $50 uh, illegal. And it is punishable, as, as, as I said, by, by uh, three times the fine. It also went unreported. Now, we feel that the... That the uh, it, it went unreported because the petitioner didn't report it, I take it. Yes, Your Honor. Yes, the petitioner didn't report it. Not only didn't report it for state law purposes as campaign contribution, but didn't report it as federal income. Yes, but the petitioner, but there is no evidence that the petitioner 
had not used this to reimburse himself for advance that he had made to his campaign. And, and the, the, the evidence and the government concedes that the, that was the campaign. Well, I suppose those facts are evidence about that go to whether it was a campaign contribution or not. If it isn't treated by the candidate uh, in compliance with the laws for receiving campaign contributions, I suppose the jury can consider that fact. Well, the, the, jury, the jury apparently did consider that, but we, we, uh, we strongly urge the court to not instruct the jury because under the color of official right and under the Hobbs Act, the means are, the, uh, the definition of a political contribution, the purpose of it is to influence the nomination, the election, or defeat of a candidate. The form of the contribution has never been used either in state or federal definition as part of the definition. This was, in fact, a campaign contribution. Every conversation that had to do with the transaction, it was described as uh, helping Bob in the election, helping him in his campaign. There was nothing in any of the conversations that had to do that this was some kind of a personal payoff. Now, the, 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 the petition of the, uh, the court how, in its... How do you explain the failure to report it as a campaign contribution and the failure to report it as income? How, how do I... Explain it. Well, the, the campaign money received to defray expenses is not income. And if it's not income, it shouldn't be reported. The tax regulations recognize that, that you can have fundraisers to pay you back, you can advance money to a campaign, you can have fundraisers, and that's not income. And uh, there was no obligation for him to report this as income. With respect to the, to the application of the Hobbs Act, the Cover Official Right. Mr. Dietrich, I think Justice O'Connor also asked, how do you explain the failure to report it under West Virginia law? I don't, I don't, uh, have an explanation why he didn't report it, other than he simply didn't comply with the West Virginia reporting laws. There may, be, there may have been other contributions not reported. But our, uh, our, our strenuous objection to the charge of the, of the, to the jury, the court in charge of the jury, in connection with these contributions, said that it was, that if the contribution, and the, specifically the contribution from the doctors, to the petitioner, if it was not voluntarily made, and voluntary was described as not having an expectation of benefit, uh, whatever benediction the, the defendant received as a result of that instruction was stripped away by the court's conditioning every voluntary contribution uh, unless it was made, was, it was not voluntary if there was some expectation of benefit. In this case, obviously, the doctors did have an expectation of benefit as virtually every political contribution carries. In the instructions that the court gave the jury after our, we strenuously objected to these instructions, but the, the jury in this case really had no, uh, no options because the, the, the court had labeled this, the court said that if that a political contribution, even if not reported, and even if it's in cash, in violation of state law, can still be a political contribution if voluntarily made. But then again, destroyed the effect of that by saying that it's not a voluntary co contribution if there's some expectation of benefit. Going back to the Hobbs Act and the Inman's case, a request for contribution is a First Amendment prerogative. Political contributions are necessary, and the donors, the contributors, as well as the candidate has the... Uh, 
the right to ask for contributions. The court, in its, in the, 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 uh, the color of official right provision as interpreted, and the Hobbs Act as interpreted by this court, if, the, if, it has, if there's a legitimate entitlement to the contribution, there was in this case, then the means, whether it was not reported, whether it's in contravention of state law, is not a dispositive factor as to whether or not there's guilt in the Hobbs Act. In the instance case, as the court will remember, there there was a strike, a collective bargaining, uh, the, the end, the legitimate end was a collecting bar bargaining benefit of, of, of higher wages. The means used were violating state laws by violence, by, by using rifles, by blowing up substations, and the court held that that was not a violation. The means used, and the, 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 the use of the word wrongful, as when it precedes wrongful use. Mr. DiTrapano, do you think that it would be a violation of the Hobbs Act for a legislator to say, if you will give me a so-called a campaign contribution, then I promise I will try to help you get the legislation you want? If the color official right could be expanded to, to reach into campaign contributions, Does it I'd cover yes. that? Does it cover that? I don't think the intent covers that, but I, but I Does do. Does the language cover it? No, Your Honor. Color of right? Color of official right has a specific meaning. exchange for a promise? No, color of official right has a, no, Your Honor, I don't think it covers it. I don't think it, I don't think. Some courts have so held. Some courts, uh, some courts have held uh, that uh, there has to be a quid pro quo. Mm -hmm. uh, in a order promise to, could be a, a quid pro quo. Yes, Your Honor. Which and could I, be expressed or implied. I think there has to be an identifiable quid pro quo. There should be a, a more precise standard uh, in, in this situation because but it, it is. There should be a promise. There should be there should be a promise it made. It could be a promise. Is that right? Yes, Your Honor. It, it should contemplate a promise. Should it should contemplate a consideration and a promise. Mm -hmm. But it should it should be something very specific because there's a vast, vast difference in a non-elective public official who has no business to getting money in the first instance. There's, there's, no, there's no conceivable reason why a non-elective official should be asking for money. And, and, and you can understand the decisions in, in that context. But where you have a candidate for public office who's very, who, who, who's, uh, whose very life depends upon raising campaign contributions, then the, the laws, the, the standards should be different. We were prejudiced by the, the instructions the trial court said if the, if the payment focused uh, on the office. Now, that has no business. In, in, in this kind of a case, because every contribution focuses on the office. this question. Is it essential to your position that we conclude that this was a campaign contribution? The reason I ask the question is, as I read the instructions, the judge told the jury that there was nothing illegal about making a campaign contribution. And do we not have to conclude from the verdict of guilty that the jury therefore determined that it was not a campaign contribution? Uh, your Honor, uh, to answer your question, the court did instruct the jury in that, in, in that connection. However, it, the court kept repeating that the voluntary contribution had to be made without some expectation of benefit. And that's wrong for two reasons. It's, it's number one is that uh, every contribution has some expectation of benefit, and that was a definition that was spontaneously suggested to the court by the, by the United States Attorney. There's no basis for that as, as, as defining a voluntary contribution. So it took it outside the ambit of a, of a political contribution once the court said, unless it's voluntarily made, and for voluntary means that the donor cannot have an expectation of benefit. And, uh, Your Honor, that, uh, that, that destroyed any, that took it outside the purview 
of a, of, of a campaign contribution. I'm not okay. sure I completely understand your answer. It seemed to me the judge did say it's not illegal <clears throat> in and of itself for the solicitor accept legitimate campaign contributions. He did. So he did, Your Honor. And the mere receipt of such political contribution is not illegal. Now, they found he acted illegally, so did, does it not necessarily follow they found he did not receive such a campaign contribution? No, if, the court had, if the court had defined, if, if the court had not conditioned to define the voluntary, I agree with you, Your Honor. I agree with you. But when the court said, you must also find it's voluntarily made, and when I say voluntary, I mean that the donor uh, had no expectation of benefit. Again, that, Your Honor, is in conflict with the Inman's case, uh, or rather with the, the 807 case, I mean, where the, uh, the state of mind of the donor or the payer uh, should not be the guiding uh, principle in determining the, uh, the, 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 the legal liability of the, uh, of the recipient. You're referring to, I'm sorry, no, you go ahead. Sorry. You're referring to page 34 of, of the uh, joint appendix, I take it, in which the, the instruction says, in order to find Mr. McCormick guilty, you must be convinced beyond a reasonable doubt that the payment alleged was made with the expectation that such payment would influence Mr. McCormick's official conduct and with knowledge on his part that, that it was made, that the payment was made with that expectation. Yes, Your Honor. And you say that that's quite different from a quid pro quo. Y- yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor. So, so you're saying that the quid pro quo instruction is necessary, in effect, to distinguish a campaign contribution from something which is not. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Yes, Your Honor. All right. Now, you answered, if I recall a moment ago, you answered one of Justice O'Connor's questions by saying that uh, a, a promise merely to uh, use best efforts to help in the passage of legislation would not be a sufficient quid pro quo. Is that, would, is that correct? Was that your answer? I would say that if, if a candidate before he received a contribution and had no history one way or the other would say to a to a to a contributor to a contributor that if I get a contribution I'll do my best. I think that approaches a quid pro quo. So that would be enough. I think it approaches it, Your Honor. I I I, I still think it should be when you're dealing with the First Amendment and you're dealing with campaign contributions and with the uh, the uh, the Buckley Vallejo the, where it says that that it'll be rigorously the standards will be rigorously uh, reviewed. I believe that there should be more. There should be an, an, an identifiable quid pro quo in the, uh, in, in the election. Well, the quid pro quo, I suppose, can either be a promise to use best efforts, or I suppose the next step would be a promise to deliver the legislation. Uh, and, and I take it you're not going so far as to say that there is somehow got to be a promise to, to deliver the finished product before a legislator could provide a quid pro quo for purposes of the statute. If the candidate said to the contributor, I will not use my best efforts if I don't get your money. I will use my best efforts if I do. That's a quid pro quo. Do you think it was findable on the evidence in this case that that's what your client was uh, was indicating? There's not one word to suggest that. Well, does there have to be one word? Yes, there does have to be one in other word. Words, you, in other words, it's not so much the definiteness now of the quid pro quo as the definiteness of the statement uh, expressing the the um, uh, the promise or the demand for a quid pro or the, the promise of a quid pro quo for the demand that that you are requiring. Uh, your, your Honor, he's just got to be more explicit about it. Is what you're saying? Is that fair to say? Yes, yeah, yeah, Your Honor. I think you have to be. You know, you can cite a hundred examples. The, the, the NRA doesn't contribute to people who don't have a history of voting uh, uh, against gun laws, against mm-hmm. gun regulations. Uh, labor labor uh, pack committees would never contribute to somebody who votes against minimum wage. 
I mean, it's it's. No, I, I don't I don't need I don't think you need to argue that to me. I just want to make sure that I'm understanding exactly what you're saying. And I think what you're saying is that if there had been uh, an explicit solicitation by which your client said either I'm going to use no more efforts to help these doctors if they don't contribute, or conversely, uh, I will continue to use my best efforts if they do contribute, that would have been enough uh, to provide a quid pro quo. Is that correct? Yes, Your Honor. I would think so. And, and, and in the well, Don't you think that that, that understanding could be uh, implicit rather than express? <clears throat> Isn't that possible? Your Honor, I, I do think And if that is not, possible. why not? Your Honor, I, I think that's possible for somebody serving in, in the legislature, state, or, or in Congress. To, input, to implicit in, con, in a campaign contribution is that he's got to continue on a course of conduct. Uh, I do think it's implicit. But I, I think that's the, that's the nature in this country of campaign contributions uh, given to, to candidates who well, have Well, if, if the promise is implicit, as Justice Souter has described it, then it would be a violation of the Hobbs Act. It's a quid pro quo. Well, Your Honor, I, I don't... Uh, I think it has to be, there has to be... Your argument is it has to be expressed. Yes, Your Honor. But there's nothing in the statute that says that. There's nothing in the statute that says that they have any business in large to cover campaign contributions, and Congress never intended this act to get involved in regulating state elections. There's nothing in this debate that suggests, suggests... That color of official right had anything to do with with uh, regulating state elections. Uh, Council, <clears throat> suppose a, a, a congressman uh, uh, says to some people, "I'm not running for the next. Uh, I'm not running for uh, office next time. Uh, I know you want this bill passed. If uh, I will use my best efforts to get the bill passed, if you pay me uh, uh, ten thousand dollars, and there's n- doesn't even doesn't purport to be a campaign contribution." I suppose you would say that uh, that is uh, subject to the Hobbs Act. I'd say that's uh, that could be subject. That's just a payoff. That's just a payoff. That's just a payoff. That's a payoff. Well, uh, suppose that that same congressman. Suppose the facts uh, uh, are they are what they exactly are in this case, and it did not purport to be a campaign contribution. There was no. There's no express. Uh, anything the 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 the, uh, the facts are, are these facts except the legislator doesn't even claim that it's contribu- a campaign contribution. Well, the legislature didn't report it. The legislator never. All right, but it doesn't. This pay suppose that in this case the payoff never purported to be and was never claimed to be a campaign contribution. But there still was no express quid pro quo agreement. The facts are just like they are in this case, except that it doesn't purport to be a campaign contribution. <clears throat> well, Your Honor, in this case, it's, it's not because the, 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 the only conversation in evidence is that... Yeah, but I'm, my question is, uh, on those facts, uh, would uh, the legislator be subject to prosecution under the Hobbs Act? I don't think so. I don't think so under the Hobbs Act, Your Honor. Uh, uh, even though there's no claim that it's even a contri- campaign contribution. Yes, there's an additional reason in, in the Hobbs Act, Your Honor, because in the Hobbs Act, the means, the means of attaining a contribution has been condemned uh, in the enemy's opinion. That's not a relevant consideration. 
Well, if it isn't, it's either a campaign contribution uh, or it's a payoff. I had thought you said the only way you could win in this case is if it's a, a, a campaign contribution. I, 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 I misspoke if I, if I said that. I, I'm not suggesting... If it's a quid pro quo arrangement, it, it violates the law if the court is expanding. Well, what business has the legislator got taking this kind of money except as a campaign contribution? He has none. To defray expenses. That's what this was taken for. To defray, to the, to defray expenses that he had advanced. Mr. DiCiapano, let me take you back, if I may, to the jury charge that you were speaking about in which questions rest on page 34 of the, of the joint appendix, uh, where, where the language used in that first paragraph is that uh, the payment uh, had to be made on behalf of the doctors with the expectation that such payment would influence Mr. McCormick's official conduct. Now, that is the charge that you think was mistaken in, in, in stating the law? I think that charge is mistaken, yes, Your Honor. You said earlier that there was a charge that it had to be, the, the, uh, the jury would have to find that it was given an expectation of benefit. And uh, is there another charge to that effect, or is it, were you just paraphrasing this no, charge? No, Your Honor, I'm saying the, the court, let me read this. The court actually said, the court said, and the court recognized our defense, that the fact that the contribution was made in violation of state law could still be a political contribution made in cash. But the court said that, that a voluntary political contribution, though it may have been made in violation of local law, it, it was a defense in this case, was permissible. However, the court went on to say voluntary is that which is freely, freely given without expectation of benefit. What, what page of the, of the joint appendix is that on? That's on uh, 30, page 30. Thank and you. Page, uh, and again, the court repeated on page 31. And when it reread, the jury was confused, came back, and the court said again, the mere voluntary payment of money without expectation of benefit does not constitute extortion. It had to be without expectation of benefit, and there's no way we could argue that these four or five doctors didn't have some expectation of benefit because they wanted their license. Um, counsel, do you read the uh, Solicitor General as uh, agreeing with you that uh, if you're going to rely on a quid pro quo, it has to be an explicit agreement? Yes, Your Honor. And shouldn't and 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 I take it the you read the Solicitor General as as not resting on the notion that there was a quid pro quo for a campaign contribution. Yes, Your Honor. I read the Solicitor General as uh, as as mischaracterizing the transaction as being a personal payoff without any evidence of the record yes. to support that. Okay. I'd like to reserve my uh, several minutes I have. Very well, Mr. DiCiapano. Mr. Wright, we'll hear from you. <laughs> Amazed. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Uh, the issue in this case, in our view, is whether a petitioner received a personal payoff or a campaign contribution. And the Court of Appeals held, quote, the evidence supports the conclusion that the money was never intended by any of the parties to be a campaign contribution. I'd like to briefly review the facts to show that the Court of Appeals and the jury were both correct in that finding. Before you do, the, the evidence, uh, one can concede that the evidence supports that conclusion without conceding that the jury was required to arrive at that conclusion. What in the instructions requires the jury to find that this was not a campaign contribution in the sense, in, in the proper sense of a campaign contribution? 
Uh, I'd be happy to review the instructions with you at this point. What I'm concerned about is, is specifically the sections of the instruction that we were talking about. If something is not a, co- a campaign contribution, if it is given with the, in, with the expectation of deriving some benefit from it, uh, then, uh, then indeed nothing is a campaign, or very little is a campaign contribution. Um, well, first let me say that the portion of the instructions that Mr. DiTrapano was referring to uh, don't really have to do with campaign contributions. But I'd like to take a minute and, and really go through this if you're troubled by it. I, I, I think that uh, Justice Stevens and, and, uh, and, and others suggested that, that the instructions are really quite clear that the jury could not convict if it concluded that this was a campaign contribution, and I think that that is correct. Um, I'll focus on the, on the instructions that were given, the supplemental instructions, uh, with what page of the, of the joint appendix will you be dealing? They start on page 27 and they run until the end. Um, I'd, I'd like to first note that the, if you start on page uh, uh, 29, the court sets out the, um, uh, the basic elements of, of a Hobbs Act violation. And on page 29 and 30, it talks about inducement. On page 30 through 32, it speaks about the meaning of color of official right. On page 33, and going over to the top of 34, the court is still speaking of the Hobbs Act, and it covers campaign contributions. It returns to campaign contributions on page 37 as part of the tax fraud defense. Now, looking at pages 33 to 34, I'd like to note that there are uh, one, two, three, four, five paragraphs. Each one of those paragraphs was delivered verbatim from the instructions the petitioner requested. Of course, there was no objection. Nothing was deleted from their requested instructions. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says that many public officials in this country receive campaign contributions. Where are you reading from? Uh, the uh, second full paragraph. Of what page? Uh, 33. Many public officials in this country receive political contributions from individuals who the official knows are motivated by a general gratitude towards him. I won't finish that paragraph. The next paragraph says, the mere solicitation or receipt of such political contributions is not of itself illegal. The next paragraph reviews the facts of this case and says that there is evidence that Mr. McCormick might have received campaign contributions. The paragraph after that says, and I'll quote it, it would not be illegal in and of itself for Mr. McCormick to solicit or accept political contributions from foreign doctors who would benefit from this legislation. I'd like to turn briefly to page 37, the tax fraud instruction. Excuse me, before you do that, what what about the top paragraph on 34? The first full paragraph on 34, was that a part of the instructions that the uh, no. defendant requested? No, I, I, I don't believe that, that that is part of the campaign contribution defense instruction. And, and, and it, let, it me is, say, well, wait, no, no. let me say next that they did not object to this instruction either. There was no objection to the instructions at all? Uh, n- not to the paragraph on page 34 that you've just referred to. Well, I... As I see the difference between 34, the the first paragraph on 34 says what extortion does consist of. And the the paragraph you just quoted says what a campaign contribution that is not extortion consists of. And the only difference between the two is that paragraph on page 33, beginning many public officials, it says it's okay if you give the money even in the hope 
that the goodwill generated will make the official more receptive. And then this paragraph on 34 says, however, it's bad and it's extortion if it's given not with the hope, but with the expectation that it will produce uh, uh, his conduct. Well, I, is that the line that you think is the correct one between hope and expectation? That's the line between uh, no, extortion no, and, and, and a campaign and contribution? I, I don't think the jury instructions are reasonably read that way. I, I, I think reading them in context, the, the court has explained what color of official right means, and, and the instruction you're speaking of goes more to that. But the jury has also been instructed at considerable length that if it was a campaign contribution, he can't be convicted. And, and I don't think that anything in the color of official right uh, uh, instructions can be read to negate the, 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 the longer express instruction uh, that petitioner requested well, Mr. Rice, on campaign contribution. Uh, how about the instruction that uh, petitioner uh, mentioned the last full paragraph on page 30 of, of the joint appendix. Well, I, I think that it's very uh, uh, unusual for petitioner to be commenting on, on this. Let, let me explain that it was the government who objected to this instruction. Um, as originally given, the government objected to the word voluntary because in context it seemed to suggest that because the doctors consented to the payments, um, that it would be a defense, and hence it would be impossible to, to convict anyone who consensually made a payment. The district court then came up with the phrase, freely, freely given without expectation of benefit. And Do you think that's a correct statement of the law? I, I think that in context, it distinguishes what the district court meant it to distinguish and, and what I think the jury understood it to be, that there is but a Mr. difference between Wright a consensual payment and a voluntary one. Doesn't every person who makes a political contribution almost expect some kind of benefit in some form? Yes. You expect to be benefited by uh, having their service or uh, because of the positions you expect them to take. I mean, it's a very uh, difficult line <laughs> unless you rely on a line that says there has to be a quid pro quo. And in that event, we know what is a contribution and what isn't. Your Honor, I think whether it's a contribution or not uh, can be determined from the facts. Now, now, we agree that if it is, in fact, a campaign contribution, a sort of heightened quid pro quo would be required. In our view, vote selling is, is what is covered in the case of campaign contributions. If it's a personal payoff, however, in our view, it is always a misuse of public office for an official to accept a payoff for doing his job. But, Mr. Mr. Wright, isn't it the case that the jury would be left, given these instructions, with the understanding that the difference between the, the what is or is not a con campaign contribution and hence what is or is not a payoff is a difference which depends on the distinction between giving with hope and giving with expectation. Isn't that a fair assessment of the instructions? I, I don't think so. I, I think, again, that, that the jury was instructed what the meaning of color of official right was and was instructed that that meant that the official had to know that the public official was receiving money on account of his office. In this case, yeah, but every, every, every candidate receives money on account either of the office that he holds or hopes to hold. And it was told 
that it couldn't convict if it was a campaign contribution. But I'm, and and I, maybe I'm just going around in circles here, but I don't see what the jury had to go on to determine what was or was not a contribution except this distinction between hope and expectation. Well, Your, Your Honor, um, let me turn briefly to the tax fraud instructions. Uh, let me add first that any ambiguity in the campaign contribution charge would be chargeable to petitioner who, again, requested those instructions. Yes, but he was, he was also requesting more. I mean, it's not as though, at least as I understand it, the petitioner never said implicitly or otherwise that the instructions as they stand are fine. I think he was saying that the instructions without the addition of some kind of quid pro quo language are misleading. Isn't that true? It, it, there was one objection to, uh, to the quid pro quo instruction, yes. None to the campaign contribution portion of the charge. On page 37 of the Joint Appendix, with respect to the tax fraud uh, charge, the jury was told that in order to constitute non-taxable political contributions, payments must have been made for one or more of the following purposes. One, utilized for generally recognized campaign expenses, regardless of when such expenses were incurred, or two, used to reimburse the political candidate for out-of-pocket campaign expenses paid by him etc. In light of those instructions, and the jury convicted petitioner on the tax fraud offense, I think it's really very clear that the jury could not have concluded that these were, in fact, campaign contributions. They just couldn't have convicted him on the tax fraud charge otherwise. If I may return briefly to the facts, um, so are, is this a harmless error analysis? Your, Your Honor, I, I don't, the way I read the instructions, I don't believe there was any error. Suppose, I think that, suppose there had been no conviction on the, an acquittal on the tax charge. I, I still, I believe. Then you couldn't make the argument you just made. Well, I believe that the ar- argument that the uh, instructions on pages 33 to 34 of the joint appendix with respect to the campaign contribution defense to the Hobbs Act violation are perfectly adequate. So I, that is the argument I would make. I, I think that the tax fraud uh, instructions are perhaps even more clear. Well, Mr. Wright, if we thought a quid pro quo was an element of the offense, then I suppose the instructions were deficient. Um, it depends on exactly what you mean, again, by quid pro quo. If you mean only vote selling is illegal, um, the instructions well, there has are, to be some are deficient. Uh, promise of express or implied uh, of benefit that the office holder uh, makes in exchange for the oh, I'm sorry, if you mean, mean quid pro quo in that sense, yes. um, I, I don't think that they are deficient. I think the jury understood that, that petitioner was going to continue to support them. What, what's missing well, in this well, case? Did, did the instructions not say that it is not necessary that the government prove the defendant promised to commit a quid pro quo? What, what the instruct? No, they don't say that phrase that way. What the instructions? Well, would you look at the bottom of page 32 and 33 and yes, tell me? Yes, that's where I am, Your Honor. Uh-huh. The instructions first say in the last full paragraph on page 32 that whether a public official uh, uh, accepts a payment for an implicit a promise of fair treatment, there is an inherent threat that without such payment, the public official would exercise his discretion 
in an adverse manner. But it then goes on to reject a defense uh, in the next paragraph. It says it's not necessary that the government prove that the defendant committed or promised to commit a quid pro quo. Now, that means it's not a defense for petitioner here to say he would have supported the doctors anyway. The fact is he obtained the money from the doctors knowing that they were giving it to secure his support. Now, he never said, I'm going to change my position unless you give me the money. Well, but it goes on and says in either event, a quid pro quo, it says it, a quid pro quo is not an essential element of the crime. Now, I guess some courts think it is. Um, And I suppose that's why we took this case. Well, I I don't think any court thinks it is in a payoff case. I I know of no holding of that sort. And we agree that if this were a campaign contribution, that what was missing here was better evidence of vote self. When you say it isn't necessary in a payoff case, isn't that the paradigm example of a quid pro quo? What is a payoff if it isn't a quid pro quo? That's why, Your Honor, I I think there there are two different sorts of quid pro quos we're talking about here. There, There was a quid pro quo here. The doctors understood that their payoffs to petitioner were to secure and retain his support of the bill. But, but we didn't... Is that sa- not a quid pro quo? Yes, it is. Yes, it is, Your Honor. And you think the statute doesn't require that? No, the there statute does, re- does require that, right. and the jury was told. But the jury was told that there is, that's not an essential element, that it's not necessary. I, 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 I think that this... The jury has been told previously, on the color of official right expecta- uh, instructions, rather, that the jury has to understand, or uh, I'm sorry, the jury has to be convinced that the money was given uh, bec- on account of the official's office. That's under color of office. What the jury was told with, on the quid pro quo instruction that you're focusing on was that it's not a defense for the doctor to say that I mean, for a petitioner to say that he would have voted for the doctors anyway, and it's not a deficiency well, in the government. it doesn't say that. It, it isn't couched in terms of a defense at all. I, I, well, and it's not a deficiency in the government's evidence that we didn't show that he said, give me the money or I will switch position. It's enough that they gave him the money knowing that they're expecting that this would keep him from switching position. If this were a campaign contribution, we would think that we would need clearer evidence well, of vote selling. Mr. Wright, you know, it, it isn't as if the, uh, the Hobbs Act had a legislative exception for campaign contributions. I mean, uh, the, the, the statute prohibits certain conduct, and the, the, you're, you're agreeing that ordinarily a campaign contribution does not come within that prohibition. Uh, but to charge the jury that the money must have been given on account of uh, the defendant's office, uh, the, certainly that covers an awful lot of campaign contributions, doesn't it? Yes. If, if you're, you know, if I'm Senator so-and-so and I go before some group that I'm raising funds and I, uh, they, they say, well, gee, he sure voted the way we wanted him to the last six years. Let's give him some. Isn't that giving him money on account of his official, uh, his office? Yes, Your Honor, and if it's a campaign contribution, it's not a misuse of office. But you, you, you talk as if the term, quote, campaign contribution is somewhere defined in a statute. 
Well, uh, it isn't. I, I, let me try to explain where, where we get it. In, in, um, in classic, this court defined the similar phrase uh, under color of laws as uh, under color of state laws by misuse of state law. And, and the lower courts have similarly defined under color of official office to mean by misuse of official office. It is a misuse of official office to accept a payoff to do your job. It's always a misuse. It is not a misuse in the example you gave for an elected official to seek a campaign contribution from people whose positions he has supported. And, and, and that's, that's the real difference. Your argument suggests that there is a very clearly established definition of the term campaign contribution, which he who runs may read, and therefore uh, we don't have to worry about the line between campaign contribution and something that violates the Hobbs Act. Well, it turns out to be a very fuzzy line. Well, th- there is a line. I, I guess I disagree as to just how fuzzy it is. Any money that is given uh, to be used to defray campaign expenses is, is in our view, a, a campaign contribution, um, whether or not it violates a state election law, although we, we would certainly agree that... Unless there's an explicit uh, promise to exchange uh, legislative efforts for the money. That's right. We vote, that's the vote-selling example that we think is, is, the, uh, is the one case where a campaign contribution constitutes a Mr. Wright, as I, may I call your attention again to page 37 of the, of the appendix? You, you, you made an argument uh, to the effect that whatever error was made in the campaign contribution section of the instructions was harmless because the jury found that there hadn't been a campaign contribution anyway, and, and you quoted that section on 37 where in order to constitute non-taxable political contributions, the payment must have been made for one or more of the following purposes. And then you say the jury, in order to find him guilty of this count, must have found that one of those two uh, existed. Correct? Uh, Did I understand your argument correctly? The jury must have rejected that it was used for generally recognized campaign expenses or to reimburse the candidate. If it found that that he had either used them to pay campaign expenses or to reimburse himself, then it would have concluded that they were non-taxable and would not have convicted him of tax fraud. That's right, but they would have been non-taxable not because they were not political contributions originally when made, but because they were not non-taxable political contributions, because although they may have been contributed for his campaign, he converted them to to his own use. That would make them taxable, but it wouldn't prove that the jury did not find them to have been political contributions originally. Well, I, I, I don't think that that's, uh, that's right uh, with the instruction you've read, Your Honor. Now, on the prior page, there is an instruction that says that uh, conversion would, would make uh, um, a campaign contribution taxable. Right. However, uh, Ms. Beatty uh, uh, suggested that there was simply uh, uh, no evidence for, for such a, uh, a um, an instruction, and, and I'd agree that that was right. They, they certainly never argued that he accepted a campaign contribution and then pocketed it. Their argument has always been, well, f- of course, first their argument but, was but he the, didn't the issue money. is what the jury understood by these instructions. And at the bottom of page 36, the judge says, if you find that they were campaign contributions, you must further be convinced that, the, that he converted them. And that's what the later instruction goes to, even if they were campaign contributions. I don't see that this that the, the, the jury's conviction on the later count necessarily shows that they uh, came to any conclusion on uh, on campaign contributions other than the kind of conclusion that that would have been affected by the campaign contribution instructions, which didn't require a quid pro quo. 
Well, I'm not sure I followed all that. I, 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 I would agree that there are two different kinds of instructions here. One is a conversion instruction, and one is if these were used for campaign expenses or to reimburse the candidate, uh, then they're not taxable uh, in any event. Um, there was no conversion argument here. There was a reimbursement argument in this case. Uh, we think that the jury clearly re uh, rejected that reimbursement argument. Well, Mr. Wright, suppose we, suppose we think the jury might have found uh, that these were co uh, campaign contributions, but that there was uh, a quid pro quo based on these facts. I take it uh, you, would, you would say, re say uh, to, uh, uh, that the jury was wrong. As a matter of law. That, that these were campaign contributions, mm -hmm. but that there was a quid pro quo. Based on these facts. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that the jury could have found that in, in light of these instructions, or, or I, I don't think that they, <laughs> they did. Well, I, uh, I thought you a while ago said that uh, if it's a campaign contribution, there has to be an explicit statement of the, of the exchange. And I thought you meant that... On, on the facts of this case, there wasn't such an explicit... Uh, we, we, we did, that's right. We did not present evidence. And, and I'm sorry, when I said quid pro quo again, I, I meant the heightened sort all right, of quid all pro right. quo. All right, that there was not evidence. There, if it's a campaign contribution, there was not evidence to justify a conviction in this case. Yes, we, we did not show that the doctors reasonably believed that Mr. McCormick uh, uh, was definitely going to change position uh, in, unless they gave him this. We, we, we simply argued that he'd give, they gave him the money to secure his support, but it, right. it wasn't clear vote selling. Can I ask you a, a rather basic question? In the Court of Appeals, as I understand the opinion, the basic argument the appellant made was there wasn't sufficient evidence to support the conviction. I don't understand from the Court of Appeals' opinion that there was any argument about instructions at all. Was, am I right, or were, did they specifically uh, challenge particular instructions that were erroneously given or erroneously failed to be given? They, they objected to one portion of an, argue, of, of an instruction respecting the quid pro quo. Are they objected in the trial court? Yes, the first and time. And they, they argue that on appeal in the Court of Appeals? I, I believe that they uh, uh, mentioned that in their, in their brief. But, Is the uh, Court of Appeals, uh, reading the Court of Appeals' opinion, one would get the impression that the case was argued on the assumption that the jury was properly instructed. Yes. And I don't find in your yes. opponent's brief a particularization of the instructions that he contends were erroneously given or failed to be given. Oh, no, no. The, 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 um, the focus of their argument has always been that this that the evidence is a campaign is contribution, not a payoff. That's right. And that the evidence is insufficient to support the conclusion that it was a payoff. And that's certainly how the case was argued in the Court of Appeals, and that's how it was argued in the, in the district court once they gave up the position that the money had never been paid at all halfway through the trial. Um, I'm not sure it, it follows that uh, because the legislator said he wouldn't uh, change his position, uh, that there is still not, uh, you, that you still can't prove some quid pro quo? Oh, I'm not sure that we couldn't have proved a quid pro quo, but we, we, didn't, we didn't go for the very strict, we, we proved that this money was given to secure his support. We didn't prove that he explicitly said I'm going to change position, or, 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 or uh, we, we didn't meet that heightened requirement that, that we think might well be needed in a case of a campaign. But you, you seem to be saying that quid pro quo is, is, is very constrictive of this statute, 
uh, as exemplified by your answer to Justice O'Connor, that, oh, well, a payoff is not a quid pro quo. It's something I still can't understand. And here it, it seems to me that uh, there, there can very well be a quid pro quo if he simply says he's going to maintain his position with vigor and that that is quite a plausible requirement to put into this statute. That's true, Your Honor. We we're very sensitive about not, uh, uh, not, not criminalizing ordinary campaign behavior, and we want to make quite clear that we don't think it's a misuse of office. I believe it was uh, the Chief Justice's hypothetical for a candidate to stand in front of a group and say, I'm a supporter of your position and I'm running for re-election and you ought to, you ought to contribute to my campaign. But again, that's not this case, where Mr. McCormick went to the doctor's lobbyist, who had previously picked up a $766 hotel tab for him, thus indicating his willingness to dispense favors, and said, uh, I've paid about $2,000 uh, out of my own pocket, uh, and I haven't heard from your doctors. Um, they deliver $2,900 in cash the next day, which is even more than he claimed he'd spent. Uh, they deliver it in, in $100 bills placed in sealed envelopes, personally delivered to them. They make three more payments later on, long after the election, and petitioner finally says the debt is paid, and they cease to make payments. Now, under those facts, we think it's plain that this was a payoff, not a campaign contribution, and that it was a misuse of office for him to uh, obtain them. Could you just help me on the term payoff? By that, I take it you mean money that it was to be received and used by him personally as opposed to reimbursing uh, campaign expenditures? Yes, money given to him unconditionally I, uh, to, to be used for any purpose he wanted. If he proved that he had, in fact, used it for uh, campaign purposes, would it be a payoff? Uh, if it was given to him as a payoff and he happened to pay them off uh, to, pay, to, to use it towards a campaign contribution, uh, yes, it would still be a payoff. I think that might get him off the uh, tax fraud uh, charge. I know, I'm not sure of that. But, of course, the jury found that this was a payoff and also convicted him of tax fraud in this case. So it clearly rejected his argument, as did the Court of Appeals, and we think its decision is reasonable. There are no further questions. I have nothing more. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Wright. <clears throat> Mr. DiCiapano, do you have rebuttal? You have three minutes remaining. Thank you, Your Honor. Mr. I would just like to make... Before, uh, you, before you start, may I just ask you to tell us specifically which uh, instructions you objected to that and argued in the Court of Appeals were erroneously given and you still pertain? <clears throat> we devoted a third of our brief to the instructions in the Court of Appeals. The Court yeah. never mentioned it. The we, Court of Appeals never mentioned the issue. No, didn't address it at all. And we raised you don't it. identify in your brief here which instructions you thought were erroneously given, do you? Well, uh, well, we didn't. Uh, the Court of Appeals didn't rule on it, and we don't address it uh, in, our, in, in, in this brief, except we do. So your we argument is basically not that the jury was improperly instructed, but rather that the evidence in the record is insufficient to support the conviction. No, we, we objected to the, we, we vigorously objected to the court uh, uh, defining or instructing the jury with respect to what a voluntary payment, that it was the expectation of benefit took it outside the, the, uh, the ambit of a campaign contribution. We debated that, vigorously objected to it. We, we, we fought over. See, our trial judge does not let us read the charge he's going to give to the jury. We have to, uh, after the charge, he says what he's, what he's going to do. For example, 
We didn't specific intent was just was 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 charged to the jury without our uh, having any prior knowledge of what the instruction was going to be. But we did object to uh, to the instruction. We offered instructions that made quid pro quo an essential, uh, and, and quid pro quo has to be conditional. And that was our and th- that that was our argument. We did object to it, Your Honor, and we objected vigorously to it and devoted a third of our brief, not mention it as the as the assistant solicitor says. We devoted a substantial portion of our brief. Arguing over the instructions that were given to the jury, we objected vigorously to him to the instruction. The one instruction was where the, where the court said every payment, any payment made uh, in 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 the focusing on the the official office is uh, is uh, is illegal and 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 comes within the uh, purview of the uh, color official right provision. But moreover, see the, the government charged the government argued the jury says we don't have to show that he gave some quid pro quo or threatened any action. Simply that when it was paid, the doctors paid it with an expectation of benefit. That's what they argued. Whether it's a campaign contribution makes no difference, uh, either if it was extorted or under color of official right. That's what the government uh, argued in their instructions. That's what they argued to the jury. And, uh, and, and the defendant was, was, uh, was prejudiced by, by those instructions. The court, moreover, as, as Justice Scalia was, was questioned about the, the tax fraud case, again, voluntary was... On, on four occasions, that definition was given to the jury that voluntary is that which is given without expectation of benefit. And if he found that it was a, uh, a contribution with that definition, uh, then, then, he was, then he was guilty of the tax fraud case. The, the jury was, in our, in, in our opinion, and, and, and as we point out in our brief, the Fourth Circuit, was badly instructed with respect to, uh, to those matters I've just mentioned. Thank you very much, Your Honor. Thank you, Mr. DiCiapano. The case is submitted.